0: If you have a Bible today, let's open up to the book of Psalms. And Lord willing, tonight we're going to cover Psalms 113 through 115. Now, it's interesting, Psalm 113 through 118 are actually often referred to as the Hallel Psalms. Maybe you've heard of that. And they're a collection of songs sung at the various festivals of Israel. Not the solemn ones, Uh, these were actually considered like Psalms of joy. And so you're going to see uh, halal, it literally means a praise. And I know that especially as we go through life and we get to know the Lord, man, he's so good to us. He is worthy uh, to be praised. Uh, to me, when I was studying these psalms, I just wanted to kind of like shout out, hallelujah, you know, I want you guys to do that, man. And, you know, it's kind of cool. We can do that. Hallelujah. God, you've been so good to me. I should I should be dead. I should be in hell. I'm not worthy to be blessed with my family and just the so much that I have been given and and God has just been so good to me and you know um, we're going to see that today in so many ways Uh, we know our God is worthy to be praised you know I read a story about a little boy who said to his dad dad let's play darts I'll throw and all you have to do is watch and say wonderful 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 And I thought about that. In one sense, that's kind of how it works. God does all the work. He hits the bullseyes over and over and over again. And we say, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful God that you are. Even when we don't understand, you know, we still say it. God, I praise you because I know you never miss the mark. Think about that in our life, you guys. Even though we fail, even though we struggle, I don't know about you, but one thing I'm learning after almost 30 years of being a christian is that it's a constant battle every single day you know there you have to walk circumspectly every single day you know you you need the lord and we fail but he doesn't fail us you know church is not a museum for saints it's a hospital for sinners now we don't take that lightly but that's just the reality of it who here can say that they would ever go a day without sinning thank god that the savior that we have you know and so um today we're going to see that god is worthy to be praised notice what we read in verse one he says praise the lord praise O servants of the lord and i'll tell you what servants of the lord especially can praise the lord you know because when you're really serving the lord there ain't nothing like it I mean, you might be caught up in all the world and the things the world has to offer and, you know, thank God for his grace and just your existence. But when you're serving the Lord, you get to see the wonders of the Lord. Like in John chapter 2, when the servants saw how Jesus made the water to wine with just a thought, that everyone else, you know, they experienced the wine, they tasted it, but the servants knew what God had done firsthand. that's why when you're involved in ministry when you're really deeply involved in ministry you get to witness the wonders of the lord especially you especially us what grace we've been given to be servants of the lord and so you know we we praise him praise the name of the lord blessed be the name of the lord from this time forth and forevermore from the rising of the sun to its going down the lord's name is to be praised. I like what John Corson said. He said, if you haven't been praising the Lord, it's not too late to start. Like it says right here in the psalm, do it from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And you can do it no matter what you're going through because no matter what you're going through, it's been filtered through his sovereign will and if it drives you to Jesus, it's good for you. You praise Him in advance, you praise Him during the storm, you praise Him afterwards. That's the way Christians are to live. You know, it's interesting, in these first two verses, we see the word praise four times, and then the reference to God's name three times. So a lot of people believe that might be an allusion to the Trinity. But, but notice right here, it, it says we are to praise the name of the Lord. You know, when I was a heavy metal guy, before I was a Christian... I used to listen to this band called Dio, and don't go look it up because he was bad. <laughs> but I remember he had that song that says, we pray to someone, but when it's all said and done, it's really all the same with just a different name. And there's that mentality out there that says, that it doesn't matter what you call you know, God, it's all the same. Absolutely not. No. His name is Yahweh. And you read the Old Testament and that that's his name. Uh, rooted in God's revelation of himself to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, 13 through 14, when he says, when I go to the children of Israel, who should I say sent me and tell them I am. Tell them I am that I am sent you. And and then that's the root of the name Yahweh, the self-existing one, self-sufficient one. I am whatever you need. And then you go to John chapter, I mean, you go to the Gospel of John and you see it over and over again, chapter 6 and 10 and 11 and 14 and 15, all the I am names of Jesus, basically saying, I am whatever you need. And we praise him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. His name is so wonderful. And so it's important for us to have that. I like Proverbs 18.10. It says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. And so what do you need tonight? You need a friend. You need a provider. You need a healer. You need someone to guide you. You need someone to strengthen you. Someone to forgive you. I mean, someone to carry you. I mean, whatever. It doesn't matter what the needs are. He's I am. You know, whatever we need. He's Jehovah is salvation. I mean, we're, we're not going to make it to heaven on our behavior. I hope that you've got that through your thick head. None of us are good enough. It's the blood. It's by faith, the childlike faith in the blood of the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That makes me righteous. And so thank God for his name. He's our Savior. And so we praise the Lord, you servants of the Lord, we praise the Lord, we, we praise the name of the Lord, right? I mean, there's no one like our God. Christianity is the only religion in the world where, you know, we're not, uh, you know, trying to walk up the mountain to meet God. No, he came down to meet us. And that's why there's no ambiguity or confusion in his name. We, as God's servants, we praise his name. Notice it says here, for how long? It says right here, from this time forth and forevermore. You know, I'll tell you what, I love it, you know, when we get to worship and you, uh, you I don't know, you sense God's presence because he inhabits the praises of his people you know and and think about that we will do this in heaven i wonder what the sound system's going to be like there you know all seriously the the guitars man i love the the music the drums especially that's why we got the double bass here i mean just to really feel it imagine what it's going to be like in heaven when we're in his presence we'll do this forevermore you know sun up it says right here to sun down from the rising of the sun to its going down and that might refer to when we do it, right? We do, we do it you know, 24-7, but it might also refer to where we do it, from one end of the earth to the other, all the way under the sun. We see, we praise God. Why do we do it? Verse 4, because it says, The Lord is high above all nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who dwells on high, who humbles himself to behold the things that are in the heavens and, and in the earth. And if I were to kind of try to summarize this psalm, I would say that we praise him because although he's so high, he's so humble. And we're going to see that in, in this psalm. He's Al Shaddai, he's God most high. There's a song Before I was a Christian released in nineteen eighty-two, sung by Amy Grant called Al Shaddai. Al Shaddai, Al Yalyan, Na Adonai, age to age, you're still the same by the power of your name. He's I am, he's not I was, he's not I will be, he's, he's I am. Al Shaddai, Al Shaddai, Erkan Ka, Na Adonai, we will praise and lift you high, Al Shaddai. It's a beautiful song. You know, there he is. Think about it. Seated on the most high and holy throne of the universe, and yet willing to come down to planet Earth, this place that's so low for so many reasons, with such care. Think about this, man, that he knows every hair that we have. He knows every tear that we've ever cried. He keeps them in a bottle. He knows our thoughts. And he thinks about us, the Bible says, like the sands of the sea. This is our God. That The clouds are like the dust underneath his feet. I mean, this is who he is. Truly, he's, he's worthy of our praise. God, there's no one like you every single day of my life. Every day. You've kept me. You've sustained me. Before I was a Christian, when I used to spit in your face when i used to go and do my thing and you kept me alive he is worthy to be praised psalm 8 4 it says what is man that you are mindful of him or on the son of man that you visit him i mean why would god even think of us and then he comes and he actually visits us and he doesn't stop there you know, in, in Philippians 2 and verse 8, it says, and talking about Jesus being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And so, the Lord, and talk about you know, the Most High humbling himself, he has to stoop down just to look. Remember in Genesis 11, when they were rebuilding the Tower of Babel, and they thought they were so amazing, and the Lord had to look down and, and see what they're doing, and You know, but he does that for us. He takes care of us. And then he came down. He became a man. He wasn't just, you know, there in the incarnation. Then there was the the willingness to die for us and not just any death. You know, I don't know about you, but when I think of dying, I think of Lord. It would be so cool if I was just sleeping while I died, you know, or, you know, something simple. But, you know, Jesus died the death of the cross for us. Such humiliation. Humiliation. The God most high and yet so humble. That's why we praise him. You know, it's interesting. The psalm closes with a couple of practical examples of how God reaches down and raises up the least of us. The poor man and and the barren woman. Notice in verse 7, he raises the poor out of the dust and lifts the needy out of the ash heap. That he may seat him with princes, with the princes of his people, he grants the barren woman a home, like a joyful mother of children. Praise the Lord. You know, and, and there are the poor. And there's the ash heap. It'd be outside the city gates where they'd be burning the trash, and uh, and you know, I don't know if you guys, you, I'm sure you've seen people picking trash. I remember going to Cambodia and, and, and visiting a whole village. They called it the Dump Village because their houses were made from the trash. They was so poor. So poor. And yet, when they came to the Lord, so beautiful. Was, and one of the guys there is so cool, and he's a pastor now, but he lived at the dump. He lived there. And then they brought him to the home and trained him up. He turned out to be this amazing, gifted pastor. And that's what God does. I mean, he takes them from the ash heap. And, and, you know, it's interesting. They would actually live there by the the dump because they would get the, the trash. And, you know, they would use the leftovers. And then when they burned the trash, when it was out cold, it was there that they would keep warm. So God would take them And he says he lifts the needy out of the ash heap that he may seat him with princes, with the princes of his people. And this guy in Cambodia, he was a guy that lived in the dump. And then God just trained him up. And God did this really amazing work in him. You could just tell it was the work of the Holy Spirit. So gifted to the point where he would then actually get to meet the king of Cambodia. That's, God does that. You look at these people out there on the streets, God can do anything with them. I trip out on my dad. My dad was homeless on Skid Row, addicted to drugs. Uh, You know, had no hope until Jesus came into his life. You know, and and he may not be with the presidents now, but he writes these amazing articles that they publish in the newspaper where he lives. My dad. Because, you know, he's a real, like, He's like a staunch Republican, man. And so he's got his conservative Christian views, man. And they're really good. And I was just thinking, here's a guy. And again, no one would have ever thought that that could happen to him. Yeah. God can do that, though. And that's why it's so cool. Sometimes you see these ministries, they go to Skidrow, they go to the homeless. And it, God, if they open their hearts, God can do anything with anyone. Here you have the poor man; he lifts him up the, from rags to riches. And, and you know, of course, we also know it can be done not just physically, but spiritually, right? That's all of us. Matthew chapter five and verse three it says, "Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven." Now, the poor in spirit are those who realize that in all reality, I have absolutely. I'm spiritually bankrupt. I don't have anything good to offer. Isaiah 64 verse 6, my righteousness is as filthy rags. The best that I could do Is like a filthy menstrual garment in the sight of God. I realize that. I don't consider myself to be this good guy, some moral person that, you know, I'm sure God will let me in. You go and you talk to people on the streets and you think you're going to go to heaven. Yeah, I'm a good person. I never murdered anybody. i never been to prison or whatever. But see, they don't realize how spiritually bankrupt they are. And how, you know, we uh, unfortunately are depraved and wicked and God is holy and just this little sin will keep us out of heaven. You know, we don't realize who we are in the sight of God. But when you do, you're, you're poor, you're spiritually bankrupt. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Those who are desperate for the righteousness of God. For theirs is the kingdom of of, of heaven. Theirs is the kingdom of God. And that's what he's talking about. From rags to riches. That's what God does with us. It's interesting. Ephesians two six. it says, And he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that's what we read right here in the spiritual sense he raises the poor out of the dust and lifts the needy out of the ash heap that he may seat him with princes with the princes of his people I was thinking because we're made of dirt we're dirty huh kind of how it works unless you like you know a lot of you guys are addicted to your phone that's why you're phony we have to get stuff that's, it just uh, works that way what God does with, and and he's using these extreme examples, maybe for men, maybe for women. You know, here's this, this, this barren woman, and she becomes a happy mother. You know, and you guys know ancient society. If you didn't have a child as a female, you were social outcast. And what a tough place to be, and how difficult that must have been. But then God looks down, and God shows up and says, Sarah, you know, you're going to be blessed with a child or Rachel or Hannah the mother of Samuel or Elizabeth the mother of John the Baptist you know to the Israelites it was a mark of God's gracious blessing and any of you moms here you know what I'm talking about when God comes and he blesses you in that way at the end of the day the point of the psalm is that God by his grace does marvelous and mighty deeds for those of us in need both in time and eternity That's why we praise him. Think for a moment, where would we be without him? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So high and yet so humble and then psalm 114 it says when israel went out of egypt the house of jacob from a people of strange language judah became his sanctuary and israel his dominion when uh, verse 1 when israel went out of egypt this is in reference to the time of the exodus when the children of israel were slaves in bondage uh, there in egypt and god came down and delivered them You guys remember the story, he set them free with 10 plagues, Uh, ultimately the Passover plague and the death of the firstborn led to God working it all out as they came out of Egypt. And so God led them uh, out, but not only did he lead them, he began at that point, according to our text, to live with them. Notice again, when Israel went out of Egypt, the house of Jacob, from a people of strange language, Judah became his sanctuary, and Israel his dominion. And and that's so cool. We're going to see this. You know, first psalm is he's high and yet humble. The second psalm is he's, he's powerful, and yet he lives with us. He's present. Remember the promise back in Exodus 29.45? He said, I will dwell among the children of Israel and will be their God. You know, some say this is in reference to the time of the tabernacle eventually, right? Or the temple eventually located in Judah. But but according to this psalm right here, I think it is, is when, when they came out, when they went out of Egypt uh, we're gonna see that was it was then that God just said I'm gonna live with you I wanna live in the midst of you my people and that's the way it is you guys know you don't come to this place and God's living in the building no he lives in, with us for us as New Testament Christians he lives in us so think about that he was with them right and, and he says you're my sanctuary and and then as a result of that don't you think that changes everything you know imagine you know you know you're out there you're walking down the street and some guys try to you know mess around with you or whatever and they come up and yeah, a lot of it has to be to do with well who's with you well you know you got this big you know buff dude or whatever tatted down whatever they probably won't mess with you right when you got God with you that's what he's saying they won't mess with you look at verse 3 when they saw that God was with them, it says they, the sea saw it and fled. Jordan turned back. The mountains skipped like rams. The little hills like lambs. What ails you, O sea, that you fled? O Jordan, that you turned back. O mountains, that you skipped like rams. O little hills like, like lambs. And you guys know the story, huh? And it's so cool because a couple of songs that we sang today, they were just talking right about this. When there was no way, you made a way. How you moved the mountains, right? The Red Sea was split open so wide, think about it, that three million people crossed over on dry ground. And it was a time that eventually it was so deep that the Egyptian chariots were drowned. That that's what God did in the midst of that time when there was no way out. You guys know the story when they came out and the Egyptian army behind them and they got their chariots, they have their version of tanks, mountains on this side, mountains on that side, the Red Sea in front of them. What's going to happen? And then God, he'll often bring us, lead us to points like that so he can flex his muscles and he'll just say, watch, look what I'm going to do. You know, my whole life, I've been a Christian for you know, 30 years now and... That's why I trip out. Some of you guys, maybe you've heard about some of these people that are falling away. They're losing their faith. And I, and I trip out on that. I'm like, man, how can that be? My whole life has been nothing but this personal relationship with God. where I've seen miracle after miracle after miracle. Undeniable miracles. How can anyone say that they lost their faith? The only way you could possibly lose your faith is if it's just a religion to you. If it's not really, truly a relationship where God is speaking, God's showing up. God, every day he does, every single day, he speaks to me. How can you go a day without him not speaking to you and you speaking to him? All you have to do is take a few minutes and get on your knees and pray and you gonna, you're going to if you really are truly sincere you will experience God what's this guy doing you know that now he lost his faith now when the when you're with the lord he he lives with you and things happen the red sea splits the jordan river also splits we read in exodus 14 21 through 22 about the red sea and then Joshua 3 14 through 17, God was with them the whole time. Think about that, 40 years in the wilderness. And then when they showed up to the Jordan River, he split it open again, and they, they fled because of the presence of God. The mountains, it says, skip town at his presence, like little lambs running away, you know? And so, I don't know, no matter what, what are mountains in our life? Um, they're the things that are so big that we just wonder how in the world could that ever happen in my life? How could that dream ever come true? How could that problem ever be solved? You don't have to figure it out. Just seek the Lord. He'll take care of everything, right? I mean, we look at the, the mountains, Mount Everest, for example, 29,000 feet above sea level. It's huge. It's, it's almost like we can't imagine anything bigger, right? But, but the biggest mountain, planet, or star for that matter Is like a little stone that God skips. You guys ever, remember you used to throw rocks and they would just kind of skip? Or did any of you used to skip? I mean, it's just kind of, that's what God does. Nahum 1 verse 5, it says the mountains quake before him. The hills melt. The earth heaves at his presence. Yes, the world and all who dwell in it. Revelation sixteen twenty talks about the day when every island will flee and mountains won't be found. Why because God will show up to judge the world in our in our life the The thing that think about mountains and and these rivers that get in the way, so to speak seas what are they symbolic of? I think maybe they're symbolic of our enemies. we can't defeat the enemy. none of you here can defeat a single demon you can't even win the war against yourself there's no hope for us if we're going to go into this battle on our own flesh the mountains the 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 impossibilities you know the jordan river was there between them and the promised land right how am i going to get to this place of victorious christian living where i become you know not a perfect man but a proper man you know a faithful man how can i ever get there well, God has to show up and split the Jordan River, and then you cross through, and then you're there. It's, you're still fighting, but you're living a life of uh, consistency. That's what these mountains represent, the, 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 the waters, the seas, the enemies, the impossibilities. What are the enemies to God? Think about that. What are, what are the enemies to God? They're the ones that are beating you down all this time. What, what are they to God? What are the impossibilities to God? nothing you know when i when i was reading this is this amazing to me they were scared they they were scared at his presence not just the rivers and the mountains but look at verse seven he says tremble o earth at the presence of the lord at the presence of the god of jacob who turned the rock into a pool of water and the flint into a fountain of waters now, it's interesting here when he mentions the rock and the flint. I mean, uh, the rock would actually be a low rock. It's interesting. The, the flint is a sila in the Hebrew language. And so the rock is the low rock. That's the cross. And then the flint is where Jesus is seated right now at the right hand of the Father. It's the high rock. And so you guys remember the whole story right in the book of Numbers chapter 20 when God said to Moses I want you to strike the rock that's the low rock and when Jesus Christ was struck in Numbers chapter 20 in verse 11 it talks about that in the second one as well what we find is that when Jesus Christ was struck the Holy Spirit was then made available to us and he lives within us right that's that water from that rock that low rock so to speak but then the second time, and that one specifically is Numbers 20, when he just says, speak to the rock. And so there's Jesus, the high rock, the Selah, and what he's there. I mean, all you have to do, if you want power, if you want the power of the Holy Spirit, the, the, the torrents of living water, which is what we need, then all you have to do is ask. Luke 11, keep on seeking, keep on asking, keep on knocking. And then we have the Holy Spirit and he helps us. I mean, without him, what kind of a husband am I going to be? What, what kind of a dad I'm going to be? I love my wife and I love my kids more than anything else. Anyone else except for God, right? But I can't. I'll fail. I fail in every role and responsibility that I'll ever have without the power of the Holy Spirit and so what we find right here is he's talking about this you know the 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 he turns the rock into a pool of water and the flint into a fountain of waters and when the holy spirit comes into your life you're not grunting it's just flowing and that's where we need to be a lot of times we don't have that because we're too busy in the world we're too busy feeding our flesh and we're too busy doing our own thing we're not taking the time you know to sit at his feet and be in fellowship Or, you know, to really pray. And again, I don't want to get ascetic or legalistic, but at the end of the day, you know, that's just the way it works. What we find right here is God wants us to have power by the power of the Holy Spirit. Life is completely different when we truly see this for what it is. We shouldn't be the ones trembling. Our enemies should be the ones shaking in their boots, Because we are walking hand in hand with Jesus Christ. What are you afraid of? I don't know if you're here and you're afraid of something. You're worried about something. You're anxious about. You shouldn't be. None of that. Because God is with you. And so, you know, when you look at the Psalms. Oh, man, praise him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Man. Praise you, Lord. Because even though you're so high, you're so humble so that you would care for me and save me and and praise you lord thank you so much because even though you're so powerful your your presence is with me so that my enemies flee and then the last one right here is interesting notice in psalm 115 this right here may be classified as a psalm of they call it communal confidence and so when you're looking at different psalms some of them are what they call communal thanksgiving. That means, like, as a general public, we're thankful, or communal laments, like, you know, as a corporate you know, congregation, we're, we're lamenting. This one right here is communal confidence. It's like, okay, church, okay, church, let's gather together and let's be confident about this together. And that's what this psalm will eventually show us. And, and verse one, it says, Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name. Give glory because of your mercy and because of your truth. And so more than likely, the community or the the nation has suffered with the adversity of God's people. And so in one sense, it's kind of like the glory of the Lord is at stake. Wait a minute. The Lord is our God and we're not doing good right here. It's not really looking good for your name. They know we're Christians. So Lord, do this. Save us. For your glory. You know, and there's a lot to it. The psalmist wants God to move because times are tough. Uh, and so he says, Lord, do this for, you, for your glory. But, but when you do move, Lord, I want you to know that we're going to give you all the glory. You know, it's kind of uh, you guys gotta be really, really careful. Don't touch the girls or the guys or the gold or the glory. Whatever you do, don't touch any of those things, right? But it's kind of a bummer when you hear people, you know, whatever, giving themselves credit. Be careful when you're sharing your stories. Make sure you're giving God all the glory. Oh yeah, yeah, I told him this and I told him that, and you know what? He started melting, and next thing you know, I talked him into it or whatever. And man, be really careful. No, we don't give ourselves any glory. I wonder if sometimes if the reason God doesn't move in particular lives is because some people will take the credit for that. We we got to make sure we give God all the glory. I remember Chris Tomlin back in two thousand two. He released a, a, his second CD back then. Uh, it was on this verse right here: "Not not to us." A great song based on this psalm, and how as men and women we have to be so careful to make sure that we give God all the glory you guys know that there's no man that can do anything that's helpful for anyone you know I baptized with water you know and on a hot day I guess you're like hey thank you Manny and that's about all I can do you could have done it yourself what what can men do but John the Baptist who was such a great man he said but there comes one mightier than I whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire so so no man should get any glory where we're wicked we're wretched but god is so good and so what we find right here is god he says you know lord we we give you glory please move it's because of your mercy and because of your truth almost all other translations use the word love and faithfulness and so these are all big words you know god we give you the glory for your mercy i mean aren't you guys grateful that he hasn't given us what we deserve because of your truth, thank God for his truth in, in the land of lies, we have the Bible. I mean, his love, I mean, unconditionally, sacrificially seeking our highest good, that, that's God's love and constant care for us, and his faithfulness, he, he never takes a day or a moment off, imagine where we would be if he did, I mean, so we, we just give him all the glory, All that, those are big words. God is all those things and more. It doesn't necessarily mean that life is always smooth sailing. Apparently, again, this psalm was written at a time when things were bad for them, even though they were believers. And the pagans were asking them that question, Hey, where's your God? Read that in verse 2. Why should the Gentiles say, So where is their God? But our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. Where is your God, they say? I don't see him anywhere. And if he's so good and powerful, and you're supposed to be his child, then why are you in this challenge that you're in? And the answer is that the, the, the God, you know, for the most part, he's invisible, and he's incomprehensible. You know, what we're gonna see later that, that for the pagans, especially in those days, they were looking for the visual uh, as far as where's God, nothing to do really with faith for them. But, but so we're going to see, no, God's invisible, but it's also important to know that God is incomprehensible right there where it says, but our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. And so that's why we go through hard times. You know, as it, as it turns out, his ways are higher than ours, and, and you guys got to know whatever you're going through that somehow he's going to work it all out for good. I always tell people the only way you lose, though, is if you quit so don't quit you just hang on to jesus keep believing in jesus even though i know it's hard sometimes keep believing till the day you die that's all it's not by our works it's by his work you just hold to jesus and that's what we see right here you know to answer your question he's invisible and incomprehensible he's loving and faithful and i'm and i'm praying to him now and i'm singing to him now and you need to know and he's going to go on to talk about it. he's not like your idols look at verse 4 their idols are silver and gold the work of men's hands they have mouths but they do not speak eyes they have but they do not see They have ears, but they do not hear. Noses they have, but they do not smell. They have hands, but they do not handle. Feet they have, but they do not walk. Nor do they mutter through their throat. Those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. You know, for the life of me, I can't comprehend this kind of idolatry, how they bow down before these statues, and these images, right? that their own hands have created. Did you know that in uh, Hinduism, there are 33 million gods? Think about that. I mean, it's crazy. I remember um, my, my, my friend Gus. His mom would worship statues. You know, like the Catholic Church, they have all these statues. And so he would go and he'd put mustaches on them. And I, I mean, they didn't do anything. Why? Because they're just dead idols they're just statues right they can't do anything they can't say anything they can't see anything they can't hear anything they can't smell anything they can't work they can't walk they can't even make a noise from their through their throat right and and what he's implying there is our god does all those things and it's so cool when you think about that you know these gods are powerless. And here's what happens. So are the people who trust in them, right? So that's why they're, they're powerless. And I was thinking about that time in, in 1 Samuel chapter 5 where the Philistines, they captured the Ark of the Covenant because the Israelites have blown it. And so they put the Ark of the Covenant there in the temple of Dagon in the Philistines. And you guys remember what happened. They came in the next day and there was their, their god Dagon, he was the god of fertility. He was the god of grain, and uh, and there he was bowed down before the the Lord. Right, the the Ark of the Covenant was symbolic of the presence of God, and so they you know propped him up again. And and the next day though there was their god Dagon again. Boom, you know bowed down. This time he had head, his head broke off and his hands broke off. Right, just his torso left. And what it was, was just a visual of the reality that they're powerless before God. And now, I was talking to the guide, uh, the Israel guide, the other day. Last time we went to Israel, and I was telling him, Hey, there are no more Philistines, huh? No, there are no more Philistines. They worship Dagon, and so Dagon. That's, <laughs> right? That's the reality of it. But look at Israel. Look at Israel. I mean you guys know and they're making the news today and there's so much drama and you got these i mean there's this why why are they in the news because god has preserved them and they were a sign of the times right what a difference and when you look at this right now who knows maybe this was a time when even israel herself had fallen into idolatry because it can happen to any of us anytime we put anything before the lord and so the, the, the psalmist reminds them hey, trust in the Lord. Verse 9 O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and great. And so, you know, he he's telling them to to get back to that place of trusting in him. He addresses the nation as a whole. Then the house of Aaron, they were the high priests. And then those all those who fear the Lord, it could be in reference to the nation of Israel, more than likely it's in reference to the Gentile believers. Because when you read, like, for example, the book of Acts 10 and 13, it talked about the God-fearers, and they were the Gentiles and so basically he's just saying you guys trust in the lord he will help you he will protect you and the cool thing is he will bless you and that's one thing i've learned about the lord you know is that we we may not whatever have everything the world has to offer that's okay is that what is a blessing what is a blessing is it as you know making more money no, I mean, to be honest with you, for some, they want to get paid more, but to really be blessed is to give more. Right? Some need healing, and they're desperate in need of growing. What a blessing that would be. Right? And, and, and so, what is a blessing? It's when God's will comes down into your life. We don't know what that is for everybody. Some think they got blessed because they got the big fat paycheck. How do you know that's a, a blessing? It doesn't always work that way. You know, blessings is, is, is God, you know, working in your life, and it descends down from heaven, and, and it's when it's His will in your life. That, that's what a blessing is. And I love verse uh, uh, 14 because it says, May the Lord give you, uh, increase more and more, you and your children. I tell you what, uh, life is good, but if I were to summarize, what do I really want in life? You know, I wanna bring God glory, I wanna go to heaven, and I wanna take my kids with me. You can have everything else. That's what he says right here. More and more, you and your children, may you be blessed by the Lord, who has some pretty good has a pretty good resume, He made heaven and earth. right? And so I like Philippians one nine it says, and this I pray that your love may abound still more and more. when we're talking about the more and more stuff, the the, the increase more and more, I, I think love is probably, a cool thing to to want more and more of and, and it doesn't matter how bad it is you know we're trusting and praying to the lord who made heaven and earth and no matter what your situation is we need to remind ourselves of that and so we read in verse 16 in closing the heaven even the heavens are the lord's but the earth he has given to the children of men the dead do not praise the lord nor any who go down into silence but we will bless the lord from this time forth and forevermore praise the lord and so verse 16 we're reminded the fact that we the children of men are stewards of this place we're stewards of the earth this planet now verse 17 is interesting there's a few thoughts here one it could be the psalmist is saying i don't want to die lord so the dead don't praise you um it could also be that you know in the hebrew faith there wasn't the clarity that we have regarding heaven um, it was there, it was a shadow, it was a mystery. Now we know the clarity of it. But but another thing to take into consideration in verse 17, the dead don't praise him, that's the non-believer. I mean, they're not, you know, I mean, this is heavy stuff. But we, we're believers, verse 18, we will bless the Lord from this time forth. Here it is again. doesn't matter what you've done in the past. Here we are today, from this time forth. And forevermore praise the lord no matter what no matter what happens can you guys say that hallelujah Hallelujah. come on say it like you mean it hallelujah Hallelujah. thank you jesus and we're gonna get all pentecostal right here right (laughs) i mean just no matter what it is i know you're going through trials you know you just praise the lord because we know that our God, he's, you know, we're, he's throwing the darts and he's hitting the bullseye. And we just have to say, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Because no matter what it is, we can't understand it. But we know, Romans 8:28 that he works all things together for good. Even the things that you think are bad, they're actually good when you're a child of God. Isn't that cool? I'll close with this story. It says they, they were at the company picnic having fun, playing softball base is loaded, his team is down by one. It's the bottom of the ninth inning, and the boss is at second base. So think about it. You know, your your company picnic, you're up to bat, right? Bottom of the ninth, two outs, and the bases are loaded, and your boss is at second base. So that's, that's you, if you could visualize that for a second, right? And so Bobby's up to bat. So far, he's three for three, and he's one of those guys that points up after every hit. Have you ever seen baseball players that do that? They point up after every hit. And what he does is he does that to give God the glory. And so here he is in this special situation. And as he's up to bat, he starts praying, Lord, let me get a hit. It'll win the game and show everyone, even my boss, that the Lord is real, that you have your hand upon me. And so here comes the pitch. And he swings for the fence, only to spin around and hit the ground. Wow, he thought to himself. I blew it. A terrible thing that happened. But then Monday morning, his boss comes up to him with a bit of a different look in his eyes, and he says to Bobby, Wow, after you struck out, your wife clapped, you still pointed up, and you both smiled. He said, If it were me, I would have thrown my bat down, gone home, and taken it out of my wife. He said, Maybe there really is something about this Jesus you saved changed your life. And even the times where we think we struck out, we hit the ground, I'll tell you what, you just keep your eyes on the Lord and